0: Good morning, it's good to be here, always glad to see your, your wonderful faces, this has uh, become family for us, not just that family on the back row, but all of you, so definitely glad to be here this morning. If you would turn in your Bibles this morning to Paul's second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you're using your pew Bibles, it's on page 571, if everyone would just stand for a moment as we read the Word of God. Paul says, I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready both in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For there is a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander into myth. As for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you for another week in your house, Lord, another week to study your word. Lord, I pray that uh, you use me this morning as we uh, look at what you have for us. In Jesus' name. We live in a time when truth, we're told, is relative. You can believe anything that you want to believe, and nobody can tell you that you're wrong. You can even change whether you're male or female, based on what you feel like. If it's true for you, then that's your truth. You know, I have my truth, Brother Paul has his truth, Carrie has his own truth. And if it's all different, that's okay. It's all true. There are many ways to heaven. There are no losers in life. You don't have to believe a certain way. And God loves all people equally. And this thinking and lack of reason, which is kind of ironic, because they call it reason and they call it logic, but it's anything but reason and logic. This isn't only true out in the world. This is becoming true in many, many churches in America today. And it all goes back to whether or not a church is willing to faithfully and accurately preach the Word of God. And we're going to see today as we look at this text of Scripture that there is an urgent and desperate need for the true preaching and teaching of God's Word and spreading of the Gospel. This passage is Paul's final charge to Timothy. Paul was about to die, and he knows this. He actually writes this later in the chapter. He was going to be executed. So he's writing his final instructions to Timothy. And in this charge, he's he knows he's about to die. And so when somebody knows they're about to die, what do they talk about? They don't talk about useless things. They talk about the things that are of the most importance to them. That's exactly what he's doing with Timothy this morning. So as we look at this charge and see how it applies to us today, I think we're going to notice something. That there is nothing going on today that was not already going on 2,000 years ago and has not been going on all along through church history. And because of that, when we we read this passage, it's like the Apostle Paul already knows what we're going through, as if he's just looking down a tunnel into the future and seeing what we're going through today. And so it's going to be as if he's speaking directly to us. The first verse that we read, it's just a charge. It's an urgent warning to Timothy under the authority of Jesus Christ. But he actually makes this a double authority by saying it's not only under Jesus Christ, it's under God the Father as well. And so, it's not just some command. It's not just some random instruction that he's given. Them. No, he's saying, Timothy, I'm about to die. I'm about to be executed. My time is done. This is the most important thing that you can do. This is the most important thing I have to do. I've taught you for years. And if there's one thing that you remember of what I've taught you, this is it. Pay close attention to this. And the overall theme of this charge that he's given to Timothy is to preach the word. To preach the Word. But not only does Paul emphasize to Timothy that he's to preach the Word, he actually gives him three separate instructions on both how and why we're to preach the Word. Because we don't just get up one day and blindly start proclaiming the Gospel, do we? No. God has a purpose for the teaching and preaching of His Word. That sinners might come to know Him. That the world might start living a righteous life. So we're going to look at these three instructions in detail this morning because each one of these instructions has a ton of truth packed in that we need to understand. So the first instruction was this. Paul says to preach the Word at all times. And in verse 2 it says to be both ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? Well, John MacArthur puts it like this. You have a time that's in season, but what's the time that's not in season? It's a time that's out of season. So it's all the time. Let's put it in Kentucky terms. You' got deer season, amen, Brother Paul? And you got not deer season. What time is not covered by those two times? It's none. It's all the time. We're to preach the word all the time. But on a deeper level, it has the literal sense of we're to preach the word when it's convenient and when it's not convenient, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. You know, when you go and you fill out a job application, what is a section that they have on those applications? It's availability, right? You know, are you available Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? What are you available? And what times on those days are you available? But God doesn't have a checkbox on an application for when we are supposed to be a witness for Him. He doesn't ask us when it's convenient. He says all the time, not just when you feel like it, amen. Anybody not feel like getting up this morning and coming to church? Let's be honest. It's okay. It's okay. It's raining outside. You know, it's one of those days when it's cold. It's supposed to snow this afternoon. You just want to bundle up. If my house had a fireplace, I'd light a fire. Wish it did, but it doesn't. Read a book, watch a movie, or amen, take a nap. But it's not just when you feel like it. It's not just when you're comfortable. God doesn't care when it is. God doesn't care who it is. He says all the time. All the time. This isn't just for preachers. I'm not just preaching the message to Brother Paul and myself this morning. This is for everyone. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah, it's not just for preachers. Yeah, he was preaching to the 11 disciples there. You know, Judas Judas had already uh, betrayed Jesus. He was already dead. So they only have the 11 left. But what did it say in verse 20? It says, observe all that I have commanded you. And what did he command them just before? To go and make disciples. And you can't go and make disciples without proclaiming the gospel. So church, I want to ask you something today. When was the last time that you shared the gospel message with somebody? When was the last time you told someone what Jesus Christ did for you? I'm not just talking about inviting someone to church or an outing or some event that we're having. Now, don't misunderstand me. Those are great things. We want you to invite people in church. We need to see people in these pews. But when was the last time you personally told somebody what your own story is of what Jesus Christ did for you? That the God of the universe sent His Son down to this earth to spend with wretched sinners like us to die an excruciating death on the cross so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell, that we can have eternal life. You know, I'll be honest. As I was preparing this week and as I'm preaching this now, that convicts me because that's not something I do often. You know, it's easy for me to stand up here in this pulpit and preach the word. It is not easy to speak the truth everywhere we go at all times. It's not easy to preach the word to that person standing beside you in the grocery line. It's not easy to preach the word at the gas station or meeting some random stranger on the street. And it's really not easy to preach the word to friends and family because it could create an awkward situation. It's not convenient, but you know God doesn't say do it when it's convenient. We need to preach the Word at all times. So that's our first instruction this morning. Preach the Word at all times. And the second is this. The second thing Paul wants us to do is preach the Word both accurately and faithfully. We can't just preach the Word in whatever way we see fit. You know, I can stand up here today, and I can make this Bible say anything that I want it to say. I can twist Scripture in any way, Make it say anything. And Brother Paul, he mentioned this earlier. We, we spent a lot of time this week watching the General Conference of the United Methodist Church. And we saw twisting of Scripture left and right. People trying to make the Bible say things that it doesn't actually say in order to argue for their point of view. But that's not how we are to approach Scripture, is it? We must faithfully and accurately preach the Word of God. And Paul actually says there's three ways we do this. The first way is to reprove. In other words, correct false teachings. When we know that the Bible says one thing, and we hear somebody teaching someone else, something else, we can't just let that go. I'm just going to give one example. Let's, let's talk about evolution. You know, we're told that no, there is no creator, that the world is billions and billions of years old. It just happened to appear, and then millions of years later, all of a sudden, out come humans and we're walking on the earth. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. And He said He did it in six days, not billions of years. We cannot sit by and let false teachings go unchecked because that's how the church in America got to the place we are. That's how our culture got to the place we are because Christians do not stand up and we let false teaching go unchecked. And Paul gives the same instruction to Titus in Titus chapter 1. It's just a couple of pages over. It says, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain that which they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Well, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. And Paul says, This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to the Jewish myths and the commands of people who would have them turn away from the truth. Paul says, rebuke them sharply. Speak the truth. You know, in the 16th century, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he was accused of teaching against the Roman Catholic Church, and he was summoned to come and appear before Charles V, who was the emperor of Germany. And, you see, Luther had started studying the Scriptures in his monastery, and he had returned to an accurate reading of the Word of God, that we are not saved by works, we're not saved by purchasing indulgences and doing the things that the Church wants us to do as the Catholics were teaching, but we are saved by faith alone. And at the Diet of Worms, which was the judicial court of the time, Luther was told to recant all of the teachings that were in his books. So they actually brought him in. They had a table set before him with all of his books laid out. And they said, "We will you recant your teachings against the church? And Luther, of course, he's feeling the weight of this request on his shoulders. And he looks at the emperor and says, I need 24 hours to consider this. I need a day to consider this. And they grant him that request. So he goes back to his quarters where, he had him, where they had him staying, and he's praying all night, God, I know what your word says, and I know what they're wanting me to do. I need to be faithful to your word. God, help me. And the next day, he comes back in, and he goes back to this table where all of his writings are, and he asks, which writings would you have me recant? Because these writings over here contain doctrines that the church approves of. Would you have me recant that? And these writings over here, well, they contain sacred scripture. Would you have me recant that? And then he speaks these famous words. He says, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust in either the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often been in error and contradicted themselves. No, I am bound by the scriptures that I have quoted. My conscience is captive to the word of God. So I cannot, no, I will not, recant anything, since it is neither right nor safe to go against conscience. Here I stand. I can do nothing else. God help me. Luther was convinced that we need to accurately and faithfully preach the word of God. And he was willing to stand against false teachings. And church, I ask you, are we willing to do the same? And not only does Paul say we're to reprove false teachers, it says we are to rebuke sin. We just got real now, didn't we? We are to rebuke sin. In other words, we are to express the strongest disapproval for sinful actions, and we are to warn people of the consequences of their sin. You know, I mentioned a moment ago that Brother Paul and I were paying close attention to the general conference this past week. For those of you who don't know, the whole focus was on LGBT and whether or not the church was going to affirm the LGBT lifestyle in our denomination. And By the grace of God, the church decided that it was going to stand on Scripture and not affirm that lifestyle. But something that we heard over and over again is that we are not to judge them. Because Jesus said, do not judge. And you know what? Jesus did say, do not judge. In Matthew 7.1, judge not that you be not judged. See, it's right there. Do not judge me. Jesus said it. And if Jesus said it, that's law for Christians. But remember what I said a minute ago? You can make Scripture say anything you want to if you take it out of context. Because what does Jesus say immediately after? He says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So why do you see the speck That is in your brother's eye, but do not notice that big log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It doesn't say do not judge. It says the exact opposite. But it says when you judge, you better make sure that you are right with God. That you are right with God. You have your own life and your own house in order before you start working on everybody else. And I want to take a moment to talk about LGBT specifically because this is a hot-button issue in our country today. And I want you to hear my heart on this because this is important. Standing against that lifestyle is not hatred. Standing against that lifestyle is not bigotry. Standing against that lifestyle is not homophobia. How many times have we heard those three things? If we do it the biblical way, and if we speak the truth in the way Jesus wants it to, the only thing that is, is love. It's loving them enough to tell them the truth. It's loving them enough to tell them the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is loving them enough to care whether or not they are going to spend eternity in hell, or whether they're going to be with Christ in heaven. That's not hate. And Paul, the final way we're supposed to preach the word accurately and faithfully is we are to exhort one another. We're supposed to encourage righteous living. We're supposed to encourage those who are living a righteous life. And encourage them to keep going. And how does Paul say that we're supposed to do all these three things? With patience. With patience and love. The culture tells us today that loving them means accepting them 100% as they are, affirming everything that they do. But that is not love. That is not love. Reproof, rebuke, and exhort with patience. That is love. We must be kind while we do this. We can't be mean. We can't be hateful. We can't be rude. But we must speak the truth. And we must do it with patience. You know, it's hard to share truth just to be rejected. But remember, friends, it's, not, it's only our job to share the truth. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict and bring to repentance. So but don't be discouraged because the response you wish for is not the response you get. Only the Spirit can break down those walls. So pray for that person that the Spirit breaks them down so that they may be open to hearing the truth. And in the meantime, keep loving them, keep praying for them, but keep telling the truth. And Paul tells us that there's an urgency for preaching the word faithfully and accurately. And what is that urgency? It says because there's a time coming when people will no longer endure sound teaching. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to know what the scriptures really says. Does this sound familiar to you? They're going to seek out teachers and preachers and churches who tell them what they want to hear. Is that not exactly what we're seeing today? We've got a whole movement that refuses to hear the truth at all and says that we must accept their way of life as absolute truth no matter how absurd it is. And this is becoming, as I said from the start, more and more prevalent in the American church today because they do not faithfully and accurately preach the Word of God. In church, we need to be thankful this morning that we have a pastor who stands, well, he doesn't stand behind this pulpit he stands down there, but who stands up in front of you every week accurately and faithfully preaching the word of God. Amen? Amen. Because preachers like that church in America today are becoming the exception. It's no longer the rule. If you don't believe me, just turn on the television. Look at the preachers on TV. Yeah, there's some great preachers on TV, but there are some preachers that are teaching flat-out heresy, and they project it as truth. And you know what? People flock to these preachers. Why? Because they're telling them exactly what they want to hear. You don't have to change the way you're living. You're just fine the way you are. If you give money to our ministry, God's going to make you rich beyond compare. And when those things don't come true, what happens? People leave the faith and Christianity looks like a joke. People turn away from the truth. Paul knew exactly what he was talking about when he penned this letter to Timothy because we're living in that age now. People turning away from the truth of God in order to seek after their own desires and their own passions. So after all this, Paul leaves Timothy with one final instruction. Remember, the first was to preach the word at all times. The second was to preach it faithfully and accurately. And the third is this. We need to preach the word to accomplish our ministry. Preach the word to accomplish our ministry. And how do we do this? How are we to accomplish our ministry? Well, first, Paul says we have to be sober-minded. Have self-control. Don't get caught up in emotions. Don't get caught up in fruitless arguments, which is not exactly a strong suit of mine. I like to debate and I like to argue. And there's a time and a place for debate and argument. But we need to have discipline. Be self-controlled. Second, he says that we are to endure hardships. You know, Christianity is no longer popular in this country. 50 or 60 years ago, if you didn't identify with Christianity, there was something seriously wrong. But today, if you do, the culture says there's something seriously wrong with you. Because of that, church, we need to be prepared for persecution. It's coming. It's already here. Mark 13, verse 13, Jesus says, You will be hated for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved we will be hated for loving Christ. We will be hated for preaching the word. We see that all the time. But Christ promises that if we endure, we will be rewarded. And Paul says this right after the passage that we're looking at in verses 7 and 8. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, that righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a testimony. What a testimony that the Apostle Paul had. Church, are you fighting the good fight? Are you running your race? Are you keeping the faith? Be prepared for the persecution and hardships that are going to come when you follow Christ, but know that you are storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven that will last all eternity. And the last way that we accomplish our ministry is by doing the work of an evangelist. Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. After all, that's all an evangelist is. It's just somebody who proclaims the truth. And in order to do that, we must study the scriptures. Earlier in this letter, Paul tells Timothy in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one who is approved, a worker who needs not be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. We cannot do the work of an evangelist if we do not carefully study and preach the word of God. We must be in the word regularly, not just while we're in church. Church, we need to preach the word at all times. We need to preach the word faithfully and accurately. Not just when it's convenient, but all the time. And we need to preach the word to accomplish our ministry by enduring hardships and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I told you earlier as I, was, as I was preparing for this sermon this week, particularly with the part about preaching at all times. I really started to feel convicted in the spirit moving. And I emailed Brother Paul and, and told him, I said, I'm really I'm really struggling here with this because I know this is what I'm preaching. This is something that I struggle with. I don't preach the word at all times. And so I confess that. And I'm praying that God helps me in that area. Because like I said, it's easy to stand in this pulpit and preach. It's not easy to preach when you're out in the world. And I can't believe that I'm the only one here that struggles with that. I think it's something... that is is spread wide in the church. Because if we look in the book of Acts, at the first Christians after the crucifixion, what did we see? The only thing that they could talk about is the gospel. It didn't matter who they were seeing. That's all that came off their lips, the very first thing. And so as Brother Paul makes his way back up here, we're going to sing in a moment. And I want to ask you, are we going to be a church that preaches the word at all times? faithfully and accurately accomplishing our ministry? Or are we going to be a church that only sits in the pews on a Sunday and hears a good sermon each week?